just want you. The Lord of my soul, the King of my heart, Jesus, it's you. Just want you. Oh, just want you, Lord. The Lord of my soul, King of my heart, Jesus, it's you. Cause there's no one, no one. Say, no one, no one, no one, Lord, but you. Trying to do this on 
my own Your embrace is what I've been missing I don't want to let it go Cause minutes turning into hours Does it really matter? I just want you You're the only one I'm after Spirit come in power I just want you Cause I just want you I just want you Nothing compares to you Nothing comes close I just want you I just want you Nothing compares to you Nothing comes close Just want you I just want you Nothing compares to you Nothing comes close I just want you I just want you Nothing compares to you Nothing comes close This is a glimpse of heaven I can get used to this Oh, I can get used to this the fragrance of your presence I can get used to this Yes, I can get used to this If this is a glimpse of heaven I can get used to this I can get used to this the fragrance of your presence I can get used to this I can get used to this If this is a glimpse of heaven I can get used to this I can get used to this the fragrance of your presence I can get used to this I can get used to this Cause I can get used to this Oh, I can get used to this 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 Yes, I can get used to this I can get used to this I can get used to this Cause minutes turning into hours Does it really matter? I just want you Cause you're the only one I'm after Spirit 
I just want you. Can make that your prayer this morning. Because minutes turning into hours, does it really matter? I just want you. You're the only one. You're the only one I'm after. Spirit come in power. I just want you. Can you tell him? Oh, cause I just want you. I just want you. Nothing compares to you. Nothing comes close. I just want you. I just want you. Nothing compares to you. Nothing comes close. Oh, nothing comes close. so so good to me before I took a breath you breathe your life in me you have been so so kind to me singing over me and you have been so so good to me before I took a breath you breathed your life in me been so so kind to me and oh the overwhelming never ending reckless love of God and oh it chases me down fights till I'm found leaves the 99 I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it Still you give yourself away Oh, the overwhelming Never-ending Reckless love of God yeah. Oh, your love, your love is so reckless 
Four hours you fall Still your love fought for me You have been good And you have been so, so good to me When I felt no worth You paid it all for me so kind to me oh the overwhelming never ending reckless love of God and oh it chases me down fights till I'm found leaves the 99 I couldn't earn it I don't deserve it Still you give yourself away And oh, the overwhelming Never-ending Reckless love of God Oh, you've been so, 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 so good Yes, you have, Lord. There's no shadow, there's no mountain, Lord, no, no. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no wall There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me There's no shadow, come on There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me No, no There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away Oh, the overwhelming Never-ending Reckless love of God Oh, there's no shadow you won't light up No, no Oh, we worship you, Jesus. Yeah. And I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But still you love it far from me. Yes, I couldn't earn it. And I don't deserve it. Still you love far from me. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still love for me. Oh, and I couldn't earn it. Oh, I don't deserve it. Still your love for me. God, we stand here in your presence, Father. We stand here in your presence. God, we don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your mercy. We don't deserve your presence. But God, you still fought for us because you loved us so much. our hands in this place right now can we receive from the Father Lord we worship you God we honor you in this place this morning Holy Spirit have your way in this place right now Lord I pray that every one of our prayers would be this next song God that no matter what Lord Lord our heart is that you would send us Lord that you would send us Lord we love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. What an honor it is. If it's bandaging the broken, washing filthy feet, here I am, Lord, send me. If it's loving one another, even when we don't agree Here I am, Lord, send me If I'm poor, if I'm wealthy I'll serve you just the same Here I am, Lord, send me On the mountain or the valley Oh, I will choose to praise Here I am, Lord, send me If I'm known by how I love Let my life reflect how much I love you I love you And before you even ask Oh, my head soon will be yes, cause I love you, I love you. If the truth cuts like an arrow, I will say it anyway, here I am, Lord. Send me If it means that they'll reject me Lord, I will still obey Here I 
standing in your glory I'll be glad I chose to say Here I am, Lord, send me Well done and faithful I live to hear you say Here I am, Lord, send me If I'm known by how I love Let my life reflect how much I love you I love you And before you even ask Oh, my answer will be yes Cause I love you I love you If I'm known by how I love Let my life reflect how much I love you I love you And before you even ask Oh, my answer will be yes Cause I love you I love you When I'm standing in your glory I'll be glad I chose to say Here I am Lord Send me Well done, good and faithful I live to hear you say Here I am Lord Send me when I'm standing in your glory I'll be glad I chose to say Here I am, Lord, send me Well done, good and faithful I live to hear you say Here I am, Lord, send me And when 
be glad I chose to stay. And here I am, Lord, send me. Well done, good and faithful. I live to hear you say. say yes to your promises. We say yes to your questions, God, that you ask of us. We say yes to the tasks that you give us. Here we are, Lord. Send us. Send me. Yes. Oh, hallelujah. Here I am, Thank Lord. Jesus. Thank you. Send me. Thank you, Lord. Come on, here is that this morning? Is that your response to God as he's calling us deep? He's calling us to go. He's Because God's promises are yes and amen. Before we transition into prayer, I was praying this morning. And the Lord put on my heart, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. It says this. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. Look at somebody and say anchor. Anchor. This anchor, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. God did it. God did this so that we might understand two unchangeable things, which it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. So we have the hope and the as an anchor that you know what? It's impossible for God to lie and that we should be encouraged by his promises. His promise that he adopted us into the sonship. His promises are yes and amen. Come on, there's some of you standing on promises and God's going to do it. Come yes, on, somebody. God's yes, going to do it. Yes, That's Lord. why we pray on Wednesday. That's why we pray on Sunday. Because God promises are true. God's promises are yes and amen. We have this hope as an anchor, as an anchor for our soul, that we serve a God who hears. We serve a God who turns his ear towards us and responds to us. Amen. Hey, this morning we're going to pray for the youth. We're going to pray for teachers. We're going to pray for schools and everything that they're going through. We're going to pray for the next generation. Come on, somebody. We're going to pray also for our government the elections are coming up very important elections are coming up we're going to pray for the government and we're also going to pray for our church family those who are going through difficult times those who are going through hardships families that are hurting we're going to hold them up in prayer are you ready to pray this morning hey listen let's pray for teachers god we come before you this morning and we pray for the next generation god we pray for the youth we pray for those that 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 
God, we hold them up. Our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. God, the teachers who go in and they give themselves every day to train up a next generation. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that your hand would be there. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that this generation would be so hungry for you. God, that this generation would be so hungry for you. God, we pray, Lord, you put a hunger inside of them. We pray you put a hunger that you would raise up a remnant, God, where my generation fell short this generation would be the remnant oh God Lord we pray that this generation would be the remnant they would not buy the lies of identity but they would understand that they've been adopted they have the opportunity to be adopted and formed and shaped by your righteousness oh God Lord they would be a voice of truth they would be a Micaiah in the next generation they would be a voice of truth a Jiminy Cricket Lord, we pray for the government. As important elections are coming, God, we pray that people would vote according to biblical truths, God. According to biblical truths, God, that we would go out and we would vote according to truth, God. The people that you have sovereignly put in place, Romans 13, your sovereign hand is upon the government. And we pray for these people, God, to be led to make good decisions, God. Moral decisions, Lord not decisions that affect their pocketbooks but decisions that affect morality that affect the next generation God we pray for these leaders on a local level the mayor God we pray for these leaders God we lift them up and we ask that your will be done we intercede Lord we intercede that you would take the giant take the head off of the giant in Jesus name at a national level God Lord intercede intercede in this time intercede in this time let's pray for our church family maybe just lay your hand on a on a person next to you and and we're just gonna lift each other up in prayer God as we join together right now it is a physical sign of unity God that we're coming together and we're holding one another up God Lord if there's any sick among you bring them to the elders and lay hands and the prayer of faith will make that person well and we lift up our church family right now God this is a sign of what you're doing in our church God you are healing us you are working in us emotionally spiritually naturally healthily God you are making us whole you are making us well as we stand together and we bind together in Jesus name you work God you move and we say send us God send us and we say yes God we will be the remnant God we will we will come together and hold our brother up in prayer we will come together and we ask God that there are individuals carrying burdens right now there are individuals carrying financial hardships right now there are individuals going through all types of situations Lord and you are the healer God you I pray Lord that you work through this right now you work in our family you work in our friends God you work in our church family these are the people that we're called to do life with this is our people God this is your people and I ask you to touch each and every one I ask you to heal bring healing bring wholeness and bring wellness in Jesus name we pray and if you agree with that say amen say amen hey why you want you tell somebody hello tell them hello why you got your hand on their shoulder this morning Well, good morning, Life Church. 
so great to see you everybody watching by live stream we're glad you joined us this morning so great to be here with you all and everybody who's in service with us it's so great to see you all it's so great to be here with you this morning Man, if this is your first time with us I want to welcome you to service we're glad you joined us uh, we're so happy to see you if this is your first time for those of you who don't know me my name is uh, Murray I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just wanted to see how many people were paying attention because, you know, sometimes when we go through preliminaries and you show up, you just kind of tune me out, and I know that. But, um, but there's, there's, there's somebody here named Murray, and so, but my name is Josh. Many of you don't know that. Many don't know. My name could be Murray. You know, some people go by another name, and they, they like, their name is something different. But, uh, Nevertheless, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and I'm glad you joined us. I'm glad you're here with us today. If this is your first time, hey, we want to connect with you. Um, you can take out your cell phone right now. We're going to throw up a slide on the screen, and you can text the word welcome to the number 337-317-4123. Uh, text the word welcome to the number 337 uh, I'm sorry. Help me, Lord. It's, it's coffee Sunday. I'm, I drank too much this morning. 337-317-4123. And you are going to be text a link. And if you click that link, fill that link out, and uh, it'll, you provide your name, your number, your information, and uh, we want to connect with you. And also for our regular attendees, we're building our database, and you can text the word CONNECT to that same number. And listen, when you get that link, it's important that you fill out that link, because if you just... If you just text us, we don't know who, who we're texting. So it's important um, that you click the link, you fill out the link, and if you consider Life Church your home church, it's so important because this is the means of communication to keep you up to date, to let you know when we've got uh, great things going. Um, you know, so also we want to pray for you so you can text the word prayer to that number. And it's important that you fill out the link. It's important that you click the link, you fill out the link because... Um, so like what's happening is individuals that text prayer and then if you don't fill out that link, we can't know the prayer. So God knows. And um, I know some people say I got a unspoken, <laughs> but uh, that's hard on text message. But nevertheless, so hey, just fill out the link. Even when you text prayer, you're going to get a link. You fill out that link and you put the prayer request in that. And we're going to be praying for you. We're going to be interceding for you because here at Life Church, we know the power of prayer. We know that God answers, that God hears us, and heaven's ear is turned towards us. So um, that's our way to stay connected and, and do that for me. And uh, it'll do me, it'll be a great favor. It'll be great. And we won't send you annoying texts. We just don't do that here. We're not about that. Like, Pastor Bob hates annoying texts. So, <laughs> hey, look, I do have an announcement. I have a couple of announcements I want to remind you guys about. For those of you that pre-ordered shrimp soup, um, the, the shrimp soup, that that is going to be uh, able to be picked up today after service. So that was, we did, we did a sale for shrimp soup and all of the money raised for missions. That's, that was all raised for missions. Man, you see what coffee does to me on Sundays? I am all cross-threaded this morning. Thank you, Lord. All right. And we also have a silent auction going on in the lobby. So all the great things you saw out there, you have an opportunity to bid on those. They have forms in, in front of each one of them. You put your name, you put your bid, um, and then at the end, 
we're going to have a little bit of time, but then we'll, we'll award the winners. And so all of the money raised is going to go towards missions, to, to fund missionaries that are going around the world spreading the gospel. So we've got a goal to raise $6,000 this year. And so these couple of fundraisers that we're doing, that's where that money's going. And so, um, hey man, God has called us to participate in the mission in reaching people who are lost, who are far from him. And this is our opportunity to participate in that mission. Amen? Amen. Hey, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 through 8. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Here at Life Church, we've got four opportunities to give. We've got boxes on the back wall. We've got a text to give feature. We've got a giving feature on our website, and we've also have a Life Church app. So you've been afforded, we want to afford you every opportunity to partner with the Lord in giving. Amen? Hey, how many of you ready for the word this morning? All right. <laughs> and I knew he was on that coffee. Because my name's Josh. <laughs> he don't even know his name. <laughs> he forgot his mic. He didn't drink enough this morning. Uh. <laughs> I drank mine so early this morning, that's what it was. I got it. Good deal. Yes. Hey, you want your phone? Oh, my Josh. <laughs> yeah. I said, Murray, you forgot your phone. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Yeah, no, I drink my coffee early in the morning. I, I can't handle it at this time, you know, whatever. But I learned not to bring my phone up here. I was telling somebody before church, and I said, when I have my iPad, I have to turn it off because I've forgotten before. And in the middle of preaching, all of a sudden, I'll get text messages and, you know, like sports updates and breaking financial news, and I'm going, what is that, <laughs> you know? So I've actually leave my phone in the other room so I don't bring it with me. And um, just forgot my mic. Man, can't believe that. And I said, because I'm Italian, and i got to talk with my hands. You put a microphone in my hands, I can't talk. <laughs> yeah, or it's liable to go that way, you know. But anyway, uh, praise God. <laughs> And look, there's some awesome stuff out there in that lobby. If you haven't gone out there and looked, I'm like, man, if some of y'all don't bid on that, you're missing opportunities. And I saw some of the bids, and I'm thinking, man, that'd be like a whole lot more other places. You know, Some of you are going to be quiet. I'm trying to get it cheap. <laughs> They're telling me they're wanting to get it cheap. <laughs> Amen. And uh, praise God. Anyway, I, I, I want to I teach a message this morning called Breaking the Cycle of Destruction. Um, several years ago, um, many years ago now, um, I was doing a study on the Jewish fall feast. In other words, the Jewish feasts that are held in the fall of the year and I became fascinated with um, what I began to see in the Bible as cycles. And I don't know about you, but um, 
I moved a lot as a kid. Uh, my dad was military, and it seemed like every time I turned around, we were moving. I remember moving like five times in one year. And, um, and you, you literally almost didn't unpack anything. You just left stuff in the boxes because you're getting ready to get orders again to move, move on, you know. And, and I noticed as I was growing up, there were certain times of the year that affected me differently than other times of the year. And I never did understand why for many years until I realized that there were certain events that took place in my life during that time of the year. And whether knowingly or unknowingly, I realized that it had an impact on me. And like, for example, most many of the times when we moved, my dad would get his orders in the military to move during a certain time of the year. And so, so during certain times of the year, all of a sudden, over the years, I would get this urge, you know, you'd see a U-Haul truck go by that said Wyoming, you know, or something like that. And you just think, I'd like to move, you know, and, and uh, for, it, it just seems strange. But these cycles were built into my life. And um, anyway, I noticed cycles, especially when I began studying these feasts that were held in the fall, these holy days. And, and so when you go through the Bible, there's a number of cycles. For example, um, we know about 40 days. We know about 40 years. There are also other cycles. For, there's a week of days. In other words, seven days. There's a week of weeks, 49 days. There's a week of months, seven months. There's a week of years, seven years. There's a week of weeks of years, 49 years. There's a week of decades, 70 years. There's a week of weeks of decades, 490 years. All of those things come in cycles. Uh, those of us who have lived long enough can tell you, uh, we used to joke, they said, don't throw away your old clothes because they're going to come back in style eventually. And, and they do. They really do. I mean, it's amazing how things just kind of go in cycles. Of course, if you want to hang on to stuff for 40 years, maybe that's a little weird, but you know, they do come in cycles. And so the scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, says to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And so when I began to realize that there were cycles in the Bible, I began to look at cycles, and I began to do a study about cycles in science, and cycles in uh, natural science, and uh, mathematics, and all kinds of things. I'm not going to go into all those kinds of things, but there are many different kinds or types of cycles. For example, there are seasons of growth, okay? There are seasons of rest. There are seasons of war. There are seasons that are filled with desolation. There are seasons of harvest. All of those things. But we can take comfort in knowing that every season has a time frame. Look what the scripture says. For every time, every purpose under heaven. That tells me that, that I may be going through a season of something in my life. But if I am surrendered to God... God has a purpose. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Because if you look at things in the natural, I don't know, hey, somebody help me out. I see people freezing in here right now. And so uh, maybe just bump it a degree or so. Um, 
uh, I mean, they're pulling out the blankets and look, when I can see goosebumps on people's arms from here, they cold, <laughs> you know, uh, don't make it too hot because then I'll have to preach on hell, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> I know a pe preacher did that one time. He, 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 he bumped it to like 90 degrees heat in the summer and he started preaching on hell and um, that's not hot enough, no. <laughs> No, but you had people doing this, you know. And uh, but anyway, um, it, we all go through seasons in our life, and and I'm going to say something that you may not want to hear, but all of us will have a wilderness season occasionally. Occasionally, there's there's there, the, because wilderness periods in the spiritual realm are God's way of moving us into another place. I could stop right there. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you go, I don't understand what this is about. And, and, and the worst thing you can do is jump and make a decision or come to a conclusion without knowing what God's purpose is. Sometimes he just puts you in a place of unrest for a period of time and, and you have to work through that. I mean, I'm going to show you that in the Bible in just a moment. But, but there, those wilderness, even those wilderness moments, those difficult times, those moments where you feel kind of like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know where I'm going. I don't, you know, whatever. Um, God is at work. And you have to trust God for every purpose, every time, for every purpose under heaven. God does not do things without purpose, okay? And it, but if we're not careful, that wilderness experience that's meant to move us into another season or another place or something else, if we're not careful, we can prolong that wilderness period, okay? Now listen to me. Jesus stayed in the wilderness for 40 days. But the Israelites stayed in the wilderness for 40 years. What was the difference? The Israelites were held in the captivity of the wilderness because of their unbelief and hardness of heart. But when Jesus came out of the wilderness, he came out filled with power for the ministry that was set before him. So there may be wilderness moments, but we have to be careful that we're not prolonging it. And that's what I really want to focus on this morning. First, First Chronicles 12.32, we know this scripture says, The men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel was supposed to do. And that's what God is calling Christians to today. Listen, I'm not going to get political, but you need to vote. I'm just telling you, you, you have, thank God you have that right to do so. And, and, and hopefully you can have biblical understanding of what needs to be or who needs to be where or what. But I'm telling you, we need to understand the times and the days that we're living in. I had somebody write me a while back. And said, I don't know why you post certain things on your social media site. They just seem to be negative. I said, they're not negative. I'm trying to let you know what's going on. I'm trying to open your eyes to what you're seeing because the media is, mainstream media is feeding you just the opposite. 
they're wanting, they're pushing their narrative. I'm just trying to open your eyes a little bit and help you understand. I'm not telling you what to believe or anything. I'm just pointing certain things out, okay? Um, but God is calling us to recognize the moment in which we are living and to seize it. It's one thing to recognize it. It's another thing to take hold of it or step into it. It's one thing to say, that's a great opportunity. And it's another thing to actually step into it. What good is recognizing the opportunity if you're just going to sit there on your hands? And so because we understand the times, we can gain insight, okay? We learn how to... Order our lives. And then what, what the scripture says, Lord, help me to order my life. You have set the order before me. Help me to walk in the order of my life so that I can fulfill that which you've designed me for, destined me for, called me to, made me like. I remember when I was a young minister, I tried to pattern myself other, uh, after other ministers. And, and I was miserable. Because they said, well, if you're a pastor, you should be this way and do this and, and act like this and be this way with people and not this way with people. And this, I said, I am miserable. I felt like a square peg trying to be rammed into a round hole. I said, that's not me. I said, I, and finally I just said, I can't do that anymore. Either God, either I'm in the wrong direction or there's, I got to break out of this mold because I can't, I can't do it. And, and finally at that point, I just decided, I remember my wife and I were, um, had been called by a church in North Louisiana to try out up there as pastors. And it was the third oldest Assembly of God church. It still is the third oldest Assembly of God church in Louisiana. And it was 70 years old at the time. And we were coming from a church that we had started in a house. So we were going from a new church plant that was less than five years old to a church that was 70 years old. And um, after meeting with the board and everything, and, and they invited me to come preach, and one of them said, should we tell him he needs to shave his beard? And uh, uh, the head deacon said, if you want to tell him, go ahead. And, and he came and told me, he said, this church is not going to elect somebody with a beard. And I said, well, I can tell you this, I'm not shaving it. And they said, well, what's the big deal? I said, my wife likes it. I said, and I said, I do to her before I help her, because say, I do to you. And so I, the next, next week we went up there and, pre and we got the vote. And the guy, and the guy came, he was a former uh, ranger in the military, you know, and he, he comes busting in the doors. And he goes, you know that's God. I said, why? He said, you got a beard. I'm thinking, I'm not sure I really want to come to this church if that is such a big deal, you know. And, uh, but, but it's true. Um, you, we, we, ha we have to learn to order and walk in the lives as God has called us. We cannot fulfill God's purposes for our lives if we are trapped in destructive cycles in our life. We have to learn who we are, how God's made us, what we're what we're. Right here. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, because a cycle 
we've all heard the old saying, doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results is the, you know, is, is, is insanity. It's the definition of insanity, okay? In the universe, there are some incredible cycles. For example, you have galaxies. You have the northern lights. But then there are cycles of destruction. There are tornadoes. There are hurricanes. They go around and around, and they lead to devastation. Other cycles that we see in daily lives, we, we see uh, 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 cycles of addiction, cycles of poverty, cycles of abuse, cycles of unbelief, cycles of defeat and everything. People find themselves locked into these cycles and they cannot escape it. I talked to a guy just recently and he made this statement to me and it reminded me of when I was a young, young believer in the Lord and, and I'd be doing good how many of you know there, there, was, there was like this one or two things in my life that I kept tripping and falling over a sin in my life. And then I would repent and I'd ask God to forgive me. And man, I'd be up and going and I'd be, I'm like, never again, never again, never again. And somewhere down the road, I'd trip over that again. And this guy made a statement. He said, I cannot tell you how many times I got saved when I was younger. And I said, what do you mean? He said, because every time I did wrong, I felt guilty. And so I'd run to the altar and ask God to save me over and over again. I said, that's a cycle of destruction. And I said, and if you're not aware of it, you, you fall for the the, the wrongness in that teaching and that understanding and there's no way of getting out of it because you're doing it over and over and over again and people will, I'll tell you this, that every time that you fall for it, it makes getting up even harder. The first time you fall, I understand. You know, God forgive me. Then you say, I'm never going to do it again. Then you do it again. God forgive me. Then you do it again. And after a while, you get to the point where I had a guy tell me one time, he said, I just go ahead and sin. He said, because I know I'm going to sin anyway, so I just go ahead and sin and then ask God to forgive me at night. I said, you better hope you don't die tonight because you're going to bust hell wide open. He said, why? I said, because you've not repented. He goes, yeah, I ask God to forgive me every night. I said, that's not repentance. That's saying I'm sorry. And there's a difference between remorse and repentance. And he said, well, I don't understand. I said, that's what I'm telling you. You don't understand because in your mind, I'm going to sin, so let's just go ahead and sin. And then ask God to forgive me every night. That is not what God saved you for. That's not what he designed you for. That's a trap of the enemy. And we need to understand that. If you want to see a classic cycle of destruction, it's found in the book of Judges. And Israel is locked into this cycle of sin. And I've got a little diagram to show you this up on the screen. Here's it starts off this way. The, peop the people are in rebellion, okay? They're in rebellion against God. So God allows the enemies to come and bring oppression upon God's people. The people begin to cry out and repent to God and, and, and to turn back to God. So God raises up a deliverer in the book of Judges. Read it. 
and, and he'll raise up a deliverer who delivers the people of Israel out of the enemy's oppression, and the people are free, but they quickly go back into rebellion again. And if you read it in the book of Judges, guess how many times it happens? Seven. Seven times. Rebellion, oppression, repentance, deliverance, freedom, rebellion, oppression, deliverance, deliverer, freedom, rebellion, just over and over and over again for over a period of years. And if you want to understand what the people of Israel were going through during the period of the book of Judges, that go into your bathroom. I'm not trying to be crude. Go into your bathroom and lift the toilet seat and flush it and just watch. That's what they did. The same thing over and over and over again. They're doing a cycle around and around and around until it gets to the point where boom, it's gone. Okay? The water's gone. And I'm, I'm just trying to tell you that it, it's, it's, it's just a way that God designed us to be free, to live in freedom but we live in cycles of destruction. I'll, I'll give you a prophetic insight. For example, in, in, in Scripture, there are what we call dispensations, which are just a fancy word for periods of time. And there are seven dispensations in the human history of time according to the Bible, okay? And I put them up there on the board. I'm not going to go into teaching all of them. I've taught on this probably 25, 30 years ago, but um, each time God begins working with the people with a new beginning. In other words, he gives them a fresh start. And each time it ends in a tragedy or destruction. Every time. Now, there's one that hasn't taken place yet, and that's the millennial kingdom of Christ. But even when Christ comes back and establishes his throne on the earth for a thousand years, at the end of a thousand years, Satan is loosed out of the bottomless pit with him and all of his demons, and they go forth to defeat, to, to, to uh, uh, convince the people of the earth to rebel against Christ, who is literally sitting on a throne in Jerusalem and ruling and reigning on earth, and they take his side to come against Christ. And they end up in final judgment. So every time God starts at a place of freshness, newness in our life, and each time it ended in tragedy or destruction of some kind. And I know a lot of people who are living like that today. And, and it's sad to see Christians, people who profess to be Christians and, and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, live in this constant cycle of destruction. In fact, God began speaking to me this past week as I was driving, and he said, it's, you have to, he said, you have to break through to get a break out. And there's a distinction between the two. I may preach that next week. I don't know. 
And he began putting it on my heart and gave me an example, example in the scripture. But you see people who say they know Christ and they love Jesus, but they're living in this constant self-destruction cycle. And Jesus said that the devil came to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus came to bring life. But Satan wants to lock God's people in this cycle of destruction. Why? Because he wants to thwart God's plan for your life. And in thwarting God's plan for your life, he ultimately ends up thwarting part of the plan of God for other people's lives. He wants to set you free. Can I tell you, it's hard to say, Jesus set me free when you're not free. I remember as a young Christian, back, back then in those days, Pastor Justin, all our little songs, they were little ditties compared to the songs we, you know, have now. And now we got, some people say the songs are too wordy. You know, but uh, I mean, I, but I remember my, my days, those early days of guitar and tambourines. We'd sing, I'm so glad Jesus set me free. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. Glory, hallelujah. Jesus set me free. And, and, and Satan had me bound, but Jesus said, I mean, oh, they were so complicated, those songs back in those days. I mean, you know, but there was truth in it. But you know what? I remember singing it and playing it and saying, Jesus set me free. And then I'd trip and fall in the same sin again. And I'd go running to the altar and I'd be crying and asking God to forgive me and say, I'll never, ever do it again. Only to fail at some point down the road again and run back there. And I, my pastor would remind me that God is merciful and his compassions, they fail not. His mercies are fresh and new. How many of you could say, thank God they are? But that is not a license to live that way. And so how do we break this cycle of destruction, okay? It begins with receiving Jesus Christ as your atonement, okay? Now, you might say, I don't know what that means. Okay, let me tell you real quick. Atonement, biblically, is the process of removing obstacles to bring reconciliation between you and God, okay? It's, for example... People will say, I, I, I made atonement or I, I restored a relationship. You had to do something to restore it. The problem is, biblically, we, we are not capable in and of ourselves to restore our relationship with God. Because the Bible says it is our sins that have separated us from God. And we cannot for, forgive or do something enough on the scale that is needed to forgive our sins. That is why we needed a savior, okay? And, and we can't remove the obstacle, which is our sins. We created the obstacle. 
We sinned against God. If, if, if we could sin against God and remove the sin, then why put the sin there to start with? Our nature is that we have a, a nature that, is, that leans towards sin. But when Christ came, Jesus came into the world, God sent his only son, why? That he might come and make atonement for us possible. What does that mean? He, he paid the price of dying on the cross and shedding his blood, why? Why did he have to do that? Because Hebrews tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sin. And so he had to be the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb without blemish, and he came into the world, and under the law, he paid the price that you and I might have atonement or reconciliation with God. That is the message of the gospel. In fact, the Bible says that every Christian is a minister of reconciliation. If you don't know what your calling is, I'll give it to you right now. Every Christian who professes the name of Jesus Christ is called to help reconcile people to Jesus Christ, to God through Jesus Christ. That is a message. That is what Jesus said he came to do. He said, I came to preach the good news, to set the captives free, that the blind may see, that the, those that are wounded, those that are hurt and disabled spiritually, they might be healed. Not that God can't heal physically, because I know he can't because I'm standing here today. But I'm telling you, he came and paid the price that we could be atoned with God. That we, It's not a matter of joining a church. It's not promising to do better because, oh, how many times I promised to do better. It is accepting that he paid the price fully. There's nothing else needed. He did it all. And it's only then that you and I, once we understand that he paid that price, he fully paid the price. Look at your neighbor and go, he fully paid the price. There's nothing lacking. That, pri that price, once we know that, that our sins of the past are gone not covered, not shoved in heaven's back closet somewhere. They are vanished. They are wiped away. They are washed away. They are gone. And that we can be full, we are, we have the opportunity to be fully restored by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's the first step. You cannot break the cycle of destruction in your life without Jesus. I'm not talking about a religious Jesus. I'm talking about the reality of the person of who Jesus is in your life. You cannot break that cycle without him. The second step is there is a need for repentance. Now somebody might say, well, don't you have to repent to, to get Jesus? So I would have already done that. But I'm gonna, most, most people, when you talk to them about repentance, first of all, they don't even wanna hear the word. They don't want to hear repent. 
They don't want to hear. You know, in most churches today in America, they don't even want to talk about repentance. They won't talk about repentance. They'll tell you seven blessings to happiness and five methods to get this and four methods to do this. But what they need to tell you is that you need to repent because you're going to stand before a holy God and your sins are going to convict you. But that's not popular nowadays. But a lot of people think that repentance is get your act together. Or, you know, you got to get religion. That's the worst thing you could do. Or, or you know, i got to straighten up and fly right. Or, you know, those kinds of things. Had a guy not long ago said, I know you, you connected to the one up there. Would you talk to him for me? I said, how about we just talk to him together and you just talk to him. He said, oh, no, that's your kind of thing. I'm not into that. And I said, well, I don't usually go talking to him about you unless you want me to be praying for you, but you need to be warned how I'm going to pray for you. He said, you pray bad prayers? I said, no, they're good. I said, but I'll pray God tear them up, make them miserable, don't let them sleep. I mean, God, you go after them like the hounds of heaven on their heels, man. I mean, day and night, night and day, let them hear the Holy Ghost in their life. And, 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 and don't bring peace until they come to the cross and they make a choice. I can't tell God to make you follow him. But I can say, bring them to a crossing place. That Bring them to the cross where they have to make a choice. And he said, never mind, don't pray for me. I said, it's too late. You already untold me. <laughs> I'll be praying for you. So I saw him yesterday at a barbecue competition. Every time I go, I see him. Hey, man, how you doing? Hey, Mr. Bob. <laughs> they call me Mr. Bob. Everybody else, they call by their first name or their nickname, you know, Murray, you know, or Sam or whatever, you know. <laughs> and they got names for each other, but they see me, they go, hey, Mr. Bob, how are you, Mr. Bob? Good to see you, Mr. Bob. <laughs> Mr. Bob. But we're talking about repentance, and there's actually two parts to the repentance, and the first one is confession. Confession. Now, I grew up in a religion where every Saturday I had to go to confession. And I'd enter that box, and some guy on the other side would slide that thing back. I was so bad when I was young, I'd make up stuff I did. Because I knew I, was, I couldn't remember every bad thing that I did. You know? And, 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 and I mean, I'd, I'd say, oh, I know I did that a bunch of times. Uh, I, I, I hit my younger brothers and sisters 59 times. And, you know, and that guy would tell me, he says, oh, you had a good week this week, didn't you? Yeah, I cut back a little bit. <laughs> but I yelled at my mama X number of times, you know. I lied, oh, uh, too many times. I'd be, if I told you how many times, I'd be lying to you. I, I did. I used to say that all the time because, you know, and I'd tell him all these things. Then he'd tell me to go pray so many things, and that would make me better. It didn't make me change at all. I mean, you could take a pig and wash them and put perfume and a bow on it, but it's still a pig. And that's the way I was going in, going in, and I came out the same way. I'm just telling you, I'm not making fun of it. But confession, the Bible says in John, 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. This is why I told this guy before, I said, when you say I'm just going to go ahead and sin because I'm going to sin anyway, I said, you're missing the whole point. It says that, that, you for, that we have one who is faithful and just to forgive us, but he wants to purge us. He wants to purify us of that unrighteousness, of that sinful nature in our life. You saying that I'm going to sin, so I'm just going to go ahead and sin anyway. At the end of the day, I'll just give God my, my sin list, and he'll wash it out, and I can start again the next day. That's not repentance. The word confess means to agree with. Now, see, most of us think it means to tell something. It means to agree with. What do you mean agree with? It means to come into agreement with God about our sin. What God says about our sin, the nature of our sin, the ugliness of it, the unholiness of it, everything about it, it means that when I confess, I'm saying, God, you are right. I agree with your position on my sin. It means admitting that we've sinned and we've done wrong. It means viewing sin as God views sin. And the Bible says God hates sin. How many of us can truly Say, we hate it. Or maybe we live in the day where we say, we tolerate it. And maybe that's why the thing that we long for, the very holy presence, manifestation, and the power of God, is often missing because our attitude is God I really hate that I did this but I tolerate it and ask you to forgive me God hates sin and until we come to the place that we confess and come into agreement with that how do we expect God to cleanse and fully restore us in fellowship? Please, understand what I'm saying about this. I'm so thankful for his mercy, and I'm so thankful for his grace, and I'm so thankful for all of those things. But he did not send his Holy Spirit to pat me on the back when I sin and say, that's okay, Daddy, on in heaven he understands no Jesus said when he comes one of his major jobs will be to convict the world of their sin see before you and I ever existed God loved us so much that he took the penalty for our sin placed it upon his son who atoned for our sac that atoning sacrifice so that we could be restored back to God. Let me just give a simple example that most people could maybe understand. Anyone who's ever been married knows exactly this. 
If you offend, for, I'm just going to be personal, okay? If I offend my spouse, Amanda, if I offend her and I hurt her feelings, our relationship is hindered. It hasn't ended, but it's hindered. Because my offense has brought a barrier. And I can go buy her flowers. And I can go buy her anything else. I can do all kinds of acts of kindness. But that's not what she's looking for. She's looking for me to confess that I did wrong by her. See, I'm confessing, bringing myself into an agreement to where she's at. And I will be, continue to be uncomfortable in her presence until I swallow my pride and go and say, I am sorry. Can you forgive me? I know I did wrong. And when I do that, and she forgives me, then our relationship is restored. Confession brings cleansing, healing, and restoration. So the first part of repentance is confession, but the second part is a change in direction. And this is where people tend to get the cart before the horse. Because they think that repentance means change your direction. The problem is you haven't come into agreement with God about the condition of sin. And all you've done is clean up the pig and put a bow on it and spray it with some perfume. And you may get it going in another direction, but it's still the same on the inside. Repentance requires a, a change in life's actions. In fact, it's the thought, word, and deed about it. It's repentance is a change of heart that brings about and change of thinking that brings about a change in direction. And until I agree with God's word, and until I agree, then there's no way I'm going to turn and go in the right direction. Or I might be able to try and do it on my own, but it's not going to last very long. Because I have failed to come into agreement with God concerning sin in my life. To confess and to agree with it, but to continue in it, is delusional. Ezekiel 18 and and, and look what it says. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord. Rather, I am not pleased. Am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? That's the heart of God. But verse 28 says, because he considers all the offenses he has committed and turns away from them, he will surely live and he will not die. But then he goes on, he says, repent. Turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourself of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. The process of turning direction involves turning from what you used to follow and replacing it with something else. Okay? It's, I'm just going to use something I, I, I can relate to. It's like the idea of saying, I'm, I'm cutting off all, I'm not going to eat any more sweets. See, I was looking at all that stuff out there, and everybody's saying, that looked good. Why don't you get one of them? I said, nope. 
No, not because it doesn't look good, because I'd eat it all. Come on now. Somebody buy that stuff before. No, I'm not going to eat it. Because I made a decision several weeks ago to begin to eat healthy and change what I'm eating. So the idea is saying I'm not going to eat any more sweets, but I'm going to keep them around the house. And so that, let's say there's chocolate cake. No, see, I'm not a cake person. There's a pie. I don't care what flavor it is. Just, well, pecan pie, I don't like. I'm sorry if I offend you. I don't like the sticky, chewy, gooey part, but, oh, ooh. butterscotch pie, coconut cream. <sighs> Any kind of berry pie. Oh, my goodness, I love it. Strawberry rhubarb pie. Oh, my, 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 my. I'm glad there's no pies out there. <laughs> you know, but, but to sit there and go, I'm not going to have any more sweets. But every day there's a new fresh pie sitting on the counter. And I'm saying, I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to eat that. You know what? But if I don't replace what I was eating with something that I can eat, all I've done is say I'm not going to eat that, but I haven't replaced what I usually will take in. And eventually, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to succumb and eat that pie. And not just one piece. I know none of you have done that. <laughs> Man, I've done that. Woo, many a time, when, especially when I was younger. But look what 2 Timothy 2 and 22 says. Flee also youthful lust. Flee. It doesn't say, well, I don't know. Maybe. It says, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. How do you get a pure heart? There's got to be a change in that spiritual diet. There's got to be a change in that. I've got to come into confession, into agreement with God about sin, and then I have to change my direction. It doesn't say just walk away quietly from youthful lust. It says run. I remember years ago, I think I've told the story once, but I'll make it real quick, and there was a bunch of pastors, and I, when I lived in North Louisiana, we'd get together once a week for lunch or fellowship or whatever. And one, one day they said, hey, let's go see this new movie that came out. There was, was the early days of Internet. You couldn't look up to see what movies were about and all that kind of stuff, you know. And, and I said, is it, is it good? Oh, it's a great movie, yeah. So like, there was like seven or six or seven or eight ministers. We all got together and walked in and was, I, we were on the back row in the theater and it started and in the first five minutes, I can't tell me how many times I heard GD this and F this and everything else and I sat there looking at my peers and nobody was moving and I just got up and I walked out. And I said, I'm, I'm not sitting here having somebody throw garbage on me for two hours. 
And I sat out in the food court of the mall there for two hours until they all came out. They said, where'd you go? I said, I got out of that place. And they said, oh, it was a good movie. I'm like, but the garbage, man, I was being assaulted with that junk. And one pastor said, I've learned to tune that stuff out. And I said, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You don't play with fire. I remember my mama telling me, don't play with the kitchen stove, you'll get burned. I didn't believe her until I got burned. And then I found out my mama knew what she was talking about. Can I tell you, my friends, we can sit here and talk about the unholy world that's out there, the ungodliness that's out there, but the Bible says that when God starts judgment, it begins in his own house. And he wants us to come into that place of pursuing God out of a pure heart. You say, well, what do I have to do? I don't know. Because you're not me and I'm not you. And what may be a downfall for you may not be a downfall for me. But Paul said, even, even though that he knew that, he said, I have to be aware that the way I live, especially in public, may be a stumbling block to somebody else. And because of that, I refuse to live in such a way if it would cause them to be a downfall. And the third thing is, we have to be aware of the guiltmeister. I know some of you are thinking, what in the world? Well, let me ask you two questions. Don't answer them. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't answer them out loud. You can answer them in your head, but don't answer them out loud. And if you tend to talk without thinking, write it down. Text it, just don't send it. How many of you have already sinned this morning? And how many of you already know what the sin is that you committed? I used to do that when I was a youth pastor and speaking to a group of youth or whatever. And almost every hand would go up that they had sinned, but when I asked what it was they had done, most of them would put their hands back down. They weren't sure. That's a confused group. I've sinned. What was it? I don't know. But I'm sure I did. That's a red flag right there. That's not, because that's not the way, the in, that's the way the enemy works. That's not the way God works. Because there's a big difference. How many of you know there's a big difference between guilt and conviction? Boy, it took me forever as a young Christian to learn that. I remember going to my pastor one day and said, I need to confess my sin. What'd you do? God told me to pray for somebody and I didn't. And he said, so what are you feeling? He said, I, I'm, I'm feeling guilty. 
He said, well, that's not God. And I said, well, how is it not God? He said, because God's not here to bring guilt. God's here to convict you. He said, you should feel conviction of being disobedient if God was telling you to do something. And then I said, I learned the most valuable lesson. I said, I wasn't sure if it was God telling me to pray for him or it was the devil. And he told me right then and there, Bob, the devil will never tell you to pray for anyone. I said, really? Y'all laugh at me, but I'm telling you as a teenager, man, I was under condemnation and guilt because I, every time, I mean, that's the way the enemy works. He wants to bring guilt on our lives. And, and many Christians live their lives in such a way that they, they have so much guilt on them and they're not even sure what it's about or why it's even there. And that's not how God intended for us to live. If you get up in the morning and you're dreading the day because there's guilt already there, something's wrong. That's a red flag. I mean, God is going, penalty, throwing a flag. He's trying to say, no, I'm challenging that call. You know, like in the football game, yet, when they want to challenge a call, they throw a red flag out on the field. The coach wants to challenge a call by the referee. Can I tell you, the devil, he's always wanting to put the penalty of guilt on you. And it's time that the people of God recognize that you cannot live your life every day feeling guilty about things that are in your life because when you are guilty, you cannot enter in to the presence of God because you feel like you have done something that has put a curtain, a blockage, a wall between you and God. And I can't tell you how many years I lived with that mindset that I'm never good enough, I'll never be good enough, I'll never measure up, I, I, I'll never arrive, I'll never be holy enough, I'll never this, 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 because I grew up. That the only time I heard my name spoken by my father on earth was when I did wrong. The only time I got his attention was when I did wrong. And so I grew up with that mentality of guilt. And, and, and I, I, when I came to Christ, I wanted to be free. I wanted to experience his love. I wanted that. But I cannot tell you how many years I lived with the guiltmeister going every place that I went. See, the... The word meister means expert. He's an expert at bringing guilt, even when you're not guilty. I remember, boy, being punished as a kid. I was always in trouble. So my, my parents believed in corporal punishment. Today, it would have not been allowed by the law, some things that happened. But I remember one time I didn't do it. And I knew one of my younger brothers had. 
But my dad was convinced that I had done it and, and beat me and beat me and beat me all day long until trying to get me to confess, but I was adamant I was not going to confess to something I hadn't done. And finally, my younger brother comes and confesses to my dad. He did it. He said, quit whipping him. He didn't do it. And my dad turned to me and said, well, that just makes up for all the times you didn't get caught. I'm just telling you. I'm being very transparent with you. And so I lived with that mentality. And every time something bad would happen, I was told that's just God getting you back for doing what you did. So I had this mindset that that's the way the Father works. And the enemy was glad for me as a Christian to keep living that way. Not realizing that my Father in heaven is for me. He's not against me. He didn't send his son to die on the cross and raise him from the dead and send the Holy Spirit to live in my life to, that I would be a victim of guilt. Look, when we sin, God wants us to admit our sin, ask for forgiveness, and then walk joyfully in the relationship that we have with him. You say, how can you do that? Because the word tells me if I confess my sins, if I'm genuine about it, he is faithful. He is. He is. Say, he is. He is faithful. Say it that way. He is faithful. And just to forgive us of our sins, I don't have to prove to him anything. Because of his goodness, I like that old chorus song too. <laughs> when I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, when I think of his goodness and how he set me free, I'm going to dance, 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 dance all night, all night. Oh yeah, and then we change it. I'm going to sing. I'm going to clap. I'm going to shout. I do backflips. No, I never did backflips. <laughs> you know, I'm going to run. I mean, yeah, when I think of his goodness. Why? Because he forgave me. And he, he's, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And there is no joy when guilt is present. When God comes and we forgive our sins, he forgives our sins. The guiltmeister, the expert of guilt, has lost his hold. He's lost his grip. And he has no right. The only right he has is if you allow him. And sometimes I've got to remind me and then I got to remind him, my father is faithful. He has never changed and he's not going to. He loves me unconditionally. Oh, if we could ever get a grasp, a hold of that. I'm just telling you, God wants you and me to experience the reality of his forgiveness and it doesn't 
include guilt. It's not a like, okay, I'm going to forgive you this time. There's no condition. I'm going to give you one more chance. But don't blow it this time. That's not the joy. Can I tell you there's no joy in that? Because all my mind is thinking, I don't want to blow it again. I don't want to blow it again. I don't want to blow it again. And there ain't no song like, I don't want to blow it again. I don't want to make a mistake again. I don't want to show up in God's court guard again. Oh, Jesus, help me, 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 Jesus. That ain't going to, that's not going to cause any songs to be written about. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Is it any wonder the enemy wants to rob us of that joy? But look what God's word says in Ephesians 1 and 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace which we have received. I have it now. The riches of God's grace. The joy of the Lord. Redemption, forgiveness of sin. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14, it says, In giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has, say has, has, past tense, he has what rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have, say have. It was, has was past tense, have is present tense, the forgiveness of sins. And in 1 John 2, he says, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. It has nothing to do with me being better, trying harder, or anything else. It's being forgiven and reconciled with God, and I've come into agreement with him, and I want a pure heart, and I'm going to follow after God, and he's going to be the reason for my living. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Let there be laughter heard in the church once again. Let there be genuine joy in the church once again. Oh, I've, I know all about people who have laughed in the Holy Ghost. I've experienced it once in my life, and, and I can't explain that. But can I tell you, that was an experience of God. But there should be joy when we walk in the doors in the morning. When we see each other on Wednesday nights. We see each other at the grocery store. Or wherever we are, we ought to see each other and just light up. Go, hey, my brother. Hey, sister, how you doing? Glory to God. Isn't God good? So you say, well, I don't feel like that. Tell the guiltmeister to take a hike. I'm just telling you, it's time to be free from all that mess. Christ alone can set us free. Repentance brings a change of direction. And we get rid of the guiltmeister. 
by taking authority over him because Jesus set us free. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. Glory, hallelujah. Jesus set me free. Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. I said, Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. Satan had me bound, but Jesus set me free. Singing glory, hallelujah. Jesus set me free. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Right now, right now, you're ready to get the guiltmeister off of you. You're ready to come into confession and, and, and be restored in your relationship with God. You're ready to give Jesus the control of your life. Wh whatever step you're at right now, if God is speaking to you, I just want you to stand right where you're at. If you're able to stand, if not, just lift your hand up. That's fine. But I'm telling you, there's an anointing right here to break that yoke, to break that cycle of destruction off of you. Right now, right now, right now, whatever it is, you're saying, God, I need you, Jesus. If it's the first step and you're coming to Christ, then I want you just to stand. But if you're sitting there going, you know, I need to change my, my thinking process. I need to repent and bring myself into alignment with what God's word says concerning sin because I want the joy of the Lord in my life. I need God, would you just do a work in my mind and in my heart? And I need you to do it this this day before I leave, I want you to stand. Or if you're sitting there and going, I love God, I love Jesus, but I'm tired of living under the bondage of guilt for things that I've been forgiven for by the blood of the Lamb. I'm not giving Him place anymore in my life. I'm Right now, I'm going to stand in this place and put him on notice that the guiltmeister had no longer is an expert. I'm the expert because God's word says so. I want you to stand right now, right where you're at. We're going to pray. She cut up above us on the Hallelujah. 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 Just telling you, this, this, this bondage of guilt has got to go. It has to go. Holy Spirit, you see the people who are standing right now and those who are watching by way of the internet. Father, we break that spirit, that cycle of destruction upon their lives. We bring ourselves into alignment with your word, O oh God, and we confess our sins. We ask that you forgive and restore the joy of the Lord. Some of you are going to shock 
those you work with because there's going to be a joy an aura of joy on you the spirit of joy on you that they've not seen when they say what happened you just I finally told that guilt master he didn't have any place in my life anymore in Jesus name and they say oh how can I know him how can I know this one who gave you joy in place of mourning that's what the Bible speaks about joy in place of mourning Some years ago, when God was dealing with me about a specific cycle of destruction in my life, I sat down with pen and paper and I began to write out my prayer. And then as I was writing, it became more like a declaration. Like I was, God God already knows me, but I wanted all of heaven to know and I wanted all of hell to know where my heart was where my mind was where my position was and I began to write out this declaration and I I don't know why but last week I went and found it on my computer it's amazing it was still there after all these years and I've actually put it up on the screen And I wonder if we could make this declaration together. If you mean it. If you don't, that's fine. But it's four pages, four slides. Okay, so, I mean, when I get to writing, I get to writing. But I started off. And I simply said, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Can you say that with me? I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Then I went on and said, the devil has no place in me, no power over me, no unsettled claims against me. It has all been settled by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. I am no longer a slave to sin. It's power over me is broken in Jesus name my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit redeemed cleansed and sanctified to be an instrument of righteousness in his service and for his glory I am an overcomer and walk in victory over Satan and the desires of the flesh by the blood of Jesus Christ his finished work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead today and every day i stand triumphant by god's word the word of my testimony and my confession that jesus christ is lord of my life amen 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 hallelujah Why don't we stand together? Let's just take a moment and thank God.
for his goodness and for his mercy. Thank you for his faithfulness. Thank him for his ever-present love. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who's come to indwell in us. Thank you for what he has done. Thank you for what he is doing. And thank you for what he is going to do. Because God is not finished with you yet. I say God is not finished with you yet. He is ever working in you, bringing about the glory to his name and for his kingdom purpose. And it shall be done. For that which he has started, he is faithful to complete it and to finish it and perfect it for his name's sake. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We glorify you, Lord God. We thank you for the work of that your love has done, worked in us. While we were yet sinners, God, you came and you sent your son to die on the cross. But he didn't stay in a tomb. He's not dead. He's alive and he sits on the right hand of you, Father. And he is interceding for us. And he is not against us. He is for us. He is praying for us as our high priest. And the Spirit of God is now in us and working in us and working through us to bring about his purpose. Let it be brought to pass and that God, when we stand before you, we will be able to say, well done. We will hear, well done, good and faithful one. Hallelujah. Father, I pray the joy of the Holy Ghost would be restored in individuals' lives. God, there was a time when they were filled with joy, filled with laughter, filled with praise. And yet, God, the enemy has come and stolen that away from them and put on them the weight of the world. But God, your word says, cast all our cares on you because you care for us. So God teaches that as we cast those things on you, our hands are now free to be lifted up in praise. We're able to dance before you and cry out before you and shout and laugh and enjoy your very presence, Lord. Father, the first sign of guilt and condemnation, may we strongly turn our backs against it and rebuke it in the name of Jesus and give it no place in our lives at all no matter what and may we quickly come and call upon your name when we sin for your grace abounds towards those who are genuine in their confession before you and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Jesus I just feel that there's some there may be someone here that may be more than one 
you've been feeling that you're trying to earn your heavenly father's favor and love I don't know who you are but God said you can't earn it because he's already given it to you it's already yours you just need to simply receive it and take it take hold of it quit trying to take or get the affirmation of your loving father in heaven when he's already given it to you in the name of Jesus be free be free amen amen if you need special prayer for anything come and we'll pray for you otherwise go out there and bid on stuff <laughs> French wind, fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, a holy anointing, the power of your presence, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. A fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. A holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out, oh, pour it out. Oh. Fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out, a holy anointing, the power of your presence, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out.